0: Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith.
1: Well, this is a story today of a man who went from rubbing shoulders with Warren Buffett and the Geico Gecko to owning his own business and now running an amazing charity here in Omaha and other cities called Chariots for Hope. I'm John Schutz.
2: And I'm Brent Conley. We are the founding partners of Soar Wealth Strategies, and we want to welcome Jason Hurt to Financial Flight Academy. Thank you. Welcome, Jason.
3: Good, good. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invite.
1: Uh, Well, you can at the end of this we'll see if you feel the same okay. way <laughs> well jason may have the worst name for his current avocation jason hurt is in the business of helping people and your story is an inspiration for uh people who may feel caught up in the rat race i think so uh let's get right to it brent
2: all right jason let's uh let's go back to uh, small town central illinois where you grew up what was tell us a little bit about what life was growing up for you
3: oh man i wish i had an exciting story but it was boring um, <laughs> it's <laughs> central Illinois cornfields, but good people. Um, it was a great, uh, area to grow up middle class, uh, was big into sports, had, uh, just good friends, good family. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of craziness going on, uh, but, uh, yeah, I had a, um, pretty athletic background. And so that was kind of my focus growing up in Jacksonville, Illinois, right outside of Springfield. So, all right. seems yeah. like Jacksonville, Florida would have been a better, Much better. but yeah, but yeah, <laughs> right, yeah go ahead. right. Yeah. It's uh, not nothing to brag about, but it was my hometown and loved it and just kind of got into the basketball thing. And, okay, and, uh, just, that was my route uh, for four years of high school.
1: And we, of course, like talking finances, you had a pretty good, uh, tutor for finance as far as your father.
3: I did. Yeah. So my dad was uh, in the financial industry. He was uh, just CEOs of different banks growing up. So credit unions, banks just kind of bounced around as you, you know, in that industry. Uh, And so, yeah, I had a real good mentor, real good role model to look after. Um, And so at a very young age, I knew that that's what I wanted to do is to pursue business and be successful like my dad. So any particular lessons you took from him? Yeah, I tell you, he was very frugal. I mean, he I never saw him live outside his means. And so that just stuck at an early age. Didn't carry a lot of debt, um, still had fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, but did not live outside his means, had a budget. So budgeting was a big part of me growing up. Like, dad, I want to go out. No, no, we don't have enough money this month. (laughs) So just (laughs) really focused and I was very, uh, very disciplined in that area, which now at the time I hate it, but now I so appreciate. So,
2: you know, speaking of that, that, you know, talking to your dad about budgets and things like that, what were some of the maybe defining moments for you growing up in that small town that kind of set you on, on the path for your own success?
3: Yeah, I would say there was a couple of different things as far as one, you know, you always have that story of that person uh, that uh, was not a a cheerleader for you. Right. And so I had a pretty successful high school basketball career. But unfortunately, one of my coaches was not uh, on my side. And it was just small town politics. My dad was the banker. And tried to get a loan and my dad denied him. And since that happened, (laughs) just, yeah, just silly stuff. Right. Right. Um, But just always like, Hey, you're going to amount to nothing. Uh, You're nobody that type of, he
1: actually told you that.
3: Yeah. He told my, um, some of my parents, best friends, not to my face. No, no. But uh, yeah, he told uh, several friends, small community, we all know each other. And so just several times would he say that, and it's just funny, it was right after the denial of the loan. Huh. I'm not yeah, sure that is, that, odd. Yeah, that that is odd. Timing of that is interesting. Right. Right. So, you know, it's just, you know, once you hear that as a young kid, that has an impact on you, I don't care, you know, how big the town. And so I just had, you know, had a real desire to say, no, I am going to make something out of myself. Yeah. I'm going to prove to mm-hmm. you that, you know, I'm more than what you're telling people that I am. Awesome. So that was a defining moment, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of helped motivate me. But then again, just my dad's success. And he was a humble leader. And so I do appreciate that. Uh, I think that you do have some successful people out there that obviously are letting the world know about it. Uh, <laughs> and so I just appreciate that he did. And he was very humbled, very giving, very just just a great guy. And so I think just seeing him throughout the four years of my high school career and how he handled money and how he handled people and his success, uh, man, just stuck with me. Like That's what I want to be. Well, so then you you're you get motivated by Mr. Basketball Coach,
1: who we will <laughs> who we will <laughs> not name. <laughs> but uh so coming out of high school, what what is it that you wanted to do with your life that you were motivated to show that
3: guy? So yes, I wanted to be Jerry McGuire, right? Show me the money. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so I wanted to go ahead and be a sports agent. Uh-huh. So that was my focus. Obviously, love sports, but realize that I was a six-five you know, athlete that couldn't jump very high. <laughs> so, so that was probably not going to work out well for me. Uh, and then once I did that, but I still wanted to be in that environment. Right. And so I started pursuing and researching again, father helping me do that in high school. A lot of them don't let's sit down, let's map out what you want to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just really like, yeah, there's a sports business side of what I love. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to pursue that sports agent. Obviously, it was very um, intriguing. The whole law school, I was always wanting to go to law school. So it just made sense. And so researched a lot of uh, uh, programs and came across a sports administration program at the University of South Carolina, which at the time it was the best program hmm. in the country. Hmm. So that's where I went. Interesting. Interesting. Ended up at South Carolina. And I, I
1: understand the Big Hurt met... What you I mean, you're not a small guy, but
3: right. apparently he at the didn't... time I was bigger than the big hurt. Oh really? uh, yeah, I was about 290 pounds. I was a power lifter. Wow. And wow. so yeah, I got into an elevator with him and he wouldn't have a clue of who I am today. <laughs> uh, but I worked uh, a short time. I worked at the um Chicago for the Chicago White Sox and their sales department. Oh wow. Uh, and so that was a fun experience being in Chicago and hanging out with those guys. But yeah, I got into the elevator and you know, saw the big hurt and Introduced himself, and I said, "I'm Jason Hurt." And he looked at me and said, "There's only one big Hurt," in <laughs> and then left. Got off, the, just That's got great. off the elevator. That's great. Huh. Didn't know if he was serious or not, but I was freaking out, <laughs> a little insecure, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll I'll get off on the next stop. Yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: So so
1: then, how did you get in? You you obviously didn't pursue that. What happened next?
3: Yeah, so I um I went to college. You know, again, I didn't start off. That was my last two and a half years at South Carolina. I fi- I finally figured out the best program, but Um, Went to South Carolina, graduated, um, had a couple opportunities to work at some sports um, uh, organizations, went to Chicago just because I'm from Illinois, Um, worked with the White Sox, but actually Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, who owns the White Sox and the Bulls. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time was speaking to us and just really hit home a message saying, look, you know, basically what he said, in my words, is um, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't be following this route because this is like a fraternity. It's very small. It's going to be hard if you're wanting to go ahead and kind of rise up in an organization. You could be in a sales department for 25 years. Yeah. Right. Uh, And so I would probably go ahead and hook up with corporations, which there's many more of those in sports teams and uh, kind of rise up through the sports marketing So that really hit home. Like he's pretty much going, "Hey, look, thanks, guys, love you, but I wouldn't stay."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he was being honest. He was being honest. Guidance
3: there, yeah, for people who are ambitious and want to move up and want to, you know, pursue their career and in an aggressive manner. So yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to be selling luxury box suites for the rest of my life. (laughs) So I want, I want to do more than that. So yeah, thanks, Jerry. I, I, I take your advice and I give you my two weeks. (laughs) And he's like, okay, so what? I don't even know who you are anyway.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This will cripple the organization.
3: If Jason (laughs) leaves. Going down. Jason
2: Hurt is leaving. (laughs) So, okay. That's, so you take that advice from, from Jerry, and then let's fast forward now to a very successful corporate career. Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience at Geico.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I came back um, being at the time, most of my family was in St. Louis. And so as I was researching that and going, well, what's some of the better, better sports marketing organizations out there, Enterprise Mm Rent-A-Car, growing fast, filled filled with young folks like me at the time. And so I'm like, yeah, I just, this is it. So I think I'm going to go and start with uh, Enterprise and Enterprise is based out of St. Louis. And so I went uh, back to St. Louis and started working for Enterprise, thinking I was going to go ahead and go climb up the the ladder. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody that starts with them, most everybody, um, starts off in a suit washing cars in the rental department <laughs> in the rental uh, area. <laughs> So I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This this isn't what Jerry Reinsdorf told me. This is horrible.
2: We finally got rid of yeah, that kid. Exactly. I it sent worked. him over to Enterprise.
1: <laughs> he's
3: doing what he's meant to do, wash cars in a suit. I'm like, oh, right, I've <laughs> arrived. This is awesome. Getting paid like two bucks an hour. So <laughs> I've, I realized quickly, I'm like, okay, something's going to have to change. I did that for about a year, but actually it was great. Some of the best discipline I received yeah. at any job. Right. Uh, they had a plan. They had a strategy. They were trying to weed certain people out. And so I just really, that was probably some of my best moments as far as just discipline, training, and development in corporate. Uh, But still, I came across a a great um, opportunity with uh, Progressive Insurance. Um, And so it's an insurance uh, organization, as you're probably aware of. And uh, it was an adjuster position. And of course, adjusters work with rental folks. And so it was just like, man, I could work. I, I had an entrepreneur heart from mm-hmm. day one. Sure. And so it was just getting closer to that without actually starting my business, you know, kind of having your own car, working out of your home. So I, I did that. And then once I got to Progressive, I just had a bet. I mean, it was just a better opportunity at Geico. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to Geico, where it's like more money, more opportunity. Uh, and so I kind of at that time, that's when Warren Buffett was taken over. So I liked that concept. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, yeah. I'm like, okay, what's what's this going to look like? So, yeah, so then about a year and a half after Progressive, then I went to Geico in St. Louis and became a local adjuster in that area. I love the fact that you weren't afraid
2: and just jumped in, you know, and were just like a sponge soaking up all the experience you could.
3: Yes, absolutely. But
2: so now it didn't. We're going
1: to fast forward yeah. a few years here. Yeah. You get into a very high level at GEICO. Yeah, right?
3: so I literally, I would say that that ride was just, a, it was 150 miles per hour for me. I, <laughs> I came on as an adjuster within a year. I'm in a team lead position and then just keep climbing up, uh, getting moved all over several different markets. Um, and, and, and so we're going to Alabama, we're going to, of course, St. Louis, we're going to Atlanta, Georgia. And then Atlanta, Georgia, from there, it was kind of the, the mountaintop of my ride everybody wanted to go to New York. If you worked for Geico, we're the largest carrier with the big players. That's where all the big jobs are. All the eyes are on that market uh, profit center. And so I went for a position and got it. uh, And it was uh, running the claims department for Geico in New York. Mm. And so it was a huge position within the company. You're talking, you know, five, 600 people that you're responsible for a billion dollars plus, you know, as far as books and what you're responsible to manage. And so it was just a high level high stress position, but, but I got there, you know, Mm -hmm. it was awesome. And so that was, uh, that was pretty exciting for me and got there in a pretty, I don't know, I would, like I said, it was a quick, quick ride for me to get there. But then when I got there, um, it didn't slow down. Uh, And so we had, you know, in our business in the insurance business, of course, catastrophes are like huge, right? Just (laughs) how you manage them. And, and so we had two major catastrophes come through, but the last one being Hurricane Sandy. And so for New York, that was a, a devastation. Yes. Uh, and as far as dollars are concerned, it was huge. The largest that Ge- Geico has ever experienced, even larger than Katrina. Katrina was more devastating. Right. Um, but overall, when you're taking a look at the uh, severity and the destruction of uh, a catastrophe in insurance terms, it was it was Sandy for us. Yeah. So we got there, and that's when really my world started turning around. Um, just as far as like questioning, like, what am I doing? I'm seeing devastation, I'm working crazy hours. And I just had a heart change. Like I am at the top of my career. I'm about, you know, to become an officer of the company. Um, all eyes are on me. I mean, people are, are just praising the way that the catastrophe is being managed in a very stressful situation at the largest, you know, profit center, you know, in our company, Warren Buffett comes up and congratulates us for that. We're the right rate at the number one profit center. I can go on and on. Uh, And so, you know, from a worldly perspective, I should be happy. I should be content. I should be excited about next steps, but I was miserable. Wow.
1: So, so you have a defining moment again. Again. What was, what was that moment like? What happened?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So at Geico, you, you know, if you get invited to a leader, this leadership um, workshop, which is up in DC where their headquarters is, then you're set. And I got invited to that workshop and uh, it's for the first time in my life. I'm not a guy that normally experiences this, but I had an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And it was just like high level, like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to do this. Everybody's going, congratulations, Jason, you know, at a local office. I can't believe it. This is awesome, man. You are just like moving up quick and. And so, um, yeah, I just had a lot of anxiety and I just sat down. I'm a man of faith. So I just sat down and just said, I don't know, God, why I'm experiencing this. Like, I should be happy. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. I, the people I work with are awesome. The company's awesome. I make a crazy money. Um, and so why am I feeling this way? And I just think it was a tug on, on my heart that God said, I have different plans for you, you know? And so I want you to, to go a different direction. And so I just really spent time, you know, seeking him and being quiet and going, what does that mean? What does that look like? And that's kind of what led me to Omaha as far as, you know, through that process of just really seeking next steps. Right. Yeah. So now
2: you're, you're, you're self-reflecting and, and what did you decide, you know, what was your path out of that
3: rat race? So I, again, kind of always having that entrepreneur spirit in me. I'm like, I just want to start a business. I've always wanted to start a business. And so I started researching. Um, It was during, and I think the trigger point for me was Sandy, you know, Mm -hmm. Hurricane Sandy, like, okay, now's the time to do it. Um, If I'm going to do it, if not, I'm just going to stick and continue moving forward. And so I researched and researched franchises, startups, buying a business, and just spent a lot of time doing that. And through that process, it kind of led me to just where I am, my skill sets, and what was available. Franchise route was the best route for me. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to get into the franchise um, world and then buying multiple ones, growing them. And that led me to Christian Brothers Automotive. But tell me the story. I know this story. And it's,
1: uh, I think sometimes you are guided to the answer. You can assign that to whatever you want to out there. But right. tell me about that night when you found Christian Brothers.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of richness to the story. And I know because of time, I'm just trying to glaze over some of it. But so I'm sitting in my, it was just crazy. I think I just came off of a, you know, I don't know, 65, 70 hour work week. It's, mo- it's Monday I'm sitting after work I'm sitting on my couch kids are to are at bed wife's going to bed I'm researching doing more research I'm I don't have a clue of what direction right now at this point and so I'm just I, I am so tired from working the storm uh, all these late hours I'm on the computer and I just fall asleep and when I mm-hmm. fall asleep my page is at uh, the, the 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 Google search page mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nothing's on it and so I fall asleep I'm discouraged because I still don't know where I'm going what I'm doing kind of have an idea about franchises but I wake up I think it's 1:32 in the morning and um I wake up to Christian Brothers Automotive homepage <laughs> Harry, yeah it, it wasn't it was, there it was I I literally like I I yell for my wife after I read about it cuz I knew about them cuz I'm in that world and I kind of knew about them we dealt with them before but as I'm getting into it I'm like wow like this is exactly up my alley and what I think, I think of what I want. Mm-hmm. And so it was just crazy where it's like, obviously I took that as a sign, you know, I can't explain <laughs> it. I mean, I didn't type it in. It was just, it was Google. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, that, uh, it just confirms to me my faith in that there's a, there's somebody out there looking at it. That's out. a great story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you got to listen, right? You got to listen. Yeah. Uh, so, but you didn't know anybody in Omaha so how is it that you end up in Omaha with a Christian Brothers franchise? So
3: yeah, so Christian Brothers. And actually what was crazy, even after that moment, I I started going to Chick-fil-A, huh. right? So Chick-fil-A <laughs> was, you know, I'm like, that's just kind of my go-to. I didn't have a passion for it, but I'm like, okay, right, this it just makes sense. Faith organization and mm-hmm. still my own business, low startup fees. And so I actually and and they tell you that it's it's easier to get into Harvard than it is to get a Chick-fil-A franchise. I've heard from outside. Uh Inside, it's easier. Yeah. I get down to the last interview. So I'm just like, this is awesome. I still have Christian Brothers now. That's kind of my backup. These are my only two right now. Uh, And so they fly me to Atlanta. I'm sitting down going through the interview. And, you know, sometimes when you're interviewing, you're just like, I'm killing it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like yeah it's that's weird that's i'm that's not getting that, that impression that's right that's now but <laughs> kidding. Kidding. kidding
1: of course no this <laughs> i find your story fascinating that's why i love john he
2: always brings
3: he always he talks truth yeah
2: i can't wait to hear how you met this
1: guy but <laughs> yeah, anyway exactly
2: so, yeah. so you're killing this interview with i'm Chick chilling yeah
3: i, I like right. this one i'm killing it and um <laughs> and so they come down to it and you can just tell like they were they were engaged and they come down and they ask the final question and they look at me and they say jason just a, just one final question. Why chicken? <laughs> and it was one of those where it's just like, I didn't have an answer. I, I can't because
2: Jason, why financial
3: flight? Academy? <laughs> right. Why chicken? Like, wow. So I'm, I'm scrambling at that point. I'm humbling. I'm not having smooth answers. They know oh, no. it, but I go back to a, a previous answer that I, I said. And they're like, no, 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 you, you, you earlier, you really talked about that very well. We got that part white why chicken? <laughs> and I, I, I bombed it. I, I can't even, to this point, I can't even tell you exactly what they said, but it was awful. Really? Yeah. And so they tell you, um, they'll, they'll tell you in the interview, they're like, look, um, if you get it, we're going to call you and let you know. But if you don't get it, we're not going to let you know why. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So they called me and told me I didn't get it. <laughs> I knew why it was the question. Right. Started talking about veal. I don't
1: know what's going on. Right. I had a hamburger <laughs> shirt on. I don't know if, uh... <laughs> uh,
3: but, and I know why later, because I've talked to some folks and they'll tell you that there's something in that answer that they're looking for, Oh, you know, because yeah. you get so many applications. And so, you know, a lot of people come in and they do good in the interview. Long story short, obviously that was a sign for me to go, okay, I guess I'll pursue Christian brothers. Yeah, I pursued Christian brothers and most franchises, right? And I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's just true. Most of them, man, as long as you got money, they'll take you. Right, (laughs) Right. He fogged the mirror and he had money, Uh, but Chick-fil-A wasn't like that. And Christian brothers was not either. So then it's another intense process. I go through it. I get to the point where they're telling me, great, Jason, um, we're going to invite you to Houston for a final interview. But before we do, we need to let you know that it's about a two to three year process with us because we don't buy existing buildings, we build them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. And I said, okay, thanks, but I think uh, we're gonna pass. And so I get a call back a week later going, hey, just wanna throw this out here. The guy that purchased Omaha has, he's from Texas and his uncle died and willed him a farm, you know? And so he's backing out. So <laughs> we have this location in Omaha that would be available in about eight months. So I went back and I'm like, okay, well, eight Mm -hmm. months. Okay. Let me go back and tell the wife. And so I told Michelle like, Hey, there's this possibility. And she's like, Absolutely not! <laughs> I am not going to Omaha. She's she's fine, you know, whining and dining in New York, and I'm going to where? Oh, good. No, 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 no. She was not happy. So anyway, long story short, we come here, we check it out, we do some research. Absolutely, when we came and visited, and it was just a day because Sandy was crazy. We fell in love. We just it was just one of those moments you get off and you're like, there's something about this place. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to pursue it. And yep. so we came back and told them, you know, went through more interviews and long story short said, yeah, we signed up. We're doing it. We're coming to Omaha. Okay.
2: Well, and after we get back from this break, we will find out how you met uh, the oh <laughs> my wonderful co-host, Mr. John Schutz. How long do we have? <laughs> hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the podcast, Financial Flight Academy, and we are so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. And great. We're back with Jason Hurt here at Financial Flight Academy. So
3: Jason, tell us how you met John Schutz. Oh, John. Um, I'm t- I try to erase that memory.
1: <laughs> it's usually uh, one right. of those flashbulb memories. People know exactly where they were, what they were doing. Yeah, yeah
3: no, not at all. Um, so I came to Omaha, like I said, as far as with Christian Brothers. We move here. And we knew immediately that we'd have to get connected. We don't know anybody like this is just this is a faith walk and so we don't know anybody and we knew that we would have to network get involved. And so we research um, groups and BNI came up and uh, and so we went ahead and visited a BNI chapter here in Omaha and that's where john was. Um, and as much as I hate to say this, um, just cause I know that he's a man of, of, of a lot of pride. Um, I walk in there and he really just had this, him and a few others just had this comforting presence, mm-hmm. welcoming presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just really connected immediately day one front with that group. And, and really, and I mean, this like John was the leader of that. I went back and said, Hey, look, I think I want to go back. This is, was a really cool group. So yeah. So through BNI, a networking okay, group. Great.
1: Huh? Well, Your check will be in the mail Uh, for that comment. I appreciate that. I'll have to hear about that the rest of the day. What I will say is Jason started attending those meetings and he didn't even have a store where he could send, we could send people to. So how many, it was at least six months before I think you were up and running.
3: It was about seven months before Yeah. Yeah. So we had nothing. We were just kind of, okay, well, I promise it's coming.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I, it just tells you the, uh, you know, you, not a lot of people would do that, mm, right? It's, right. it's, uh, your work ethic mm-hmm. and foresight mm. into saying, Hey, I got to start laying the groundwork for this thing now. And just trust that, uh, these folks are going to believe me that a store will actually appear. Yeah. So no, it was, a...
3: <laughs>
0: right. a right. it was
1: great. But now, so Jason, you are now with chariots for hope. Uh, you sold the Christian brothers store. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, yeah. And uh, at the same, si- but at the same time, when you were running that business, which was becoming very successful. uh, You decided, decided to start this charitable organization called chariots for hope.
3: Why tell me about the organization. Sure. Yeah, we had it. Uh, we just had a lot of single moms coming through our door at Christian Brothers, and so we just had this heavy burden. Like, man, there's just got to be more. We got to do something on the side, and so we started it at Christian Brothers, and it got to the point where you know we 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 reached a crossroad where it's like I can't manage both. I got to make a decision, right? And so, um, yeah, we just decided again through prayer and, and counsel, we decided to sell the business, which. You guys would probably say as financial advisors and gurus that that's probably one of the worst things to do is to buy a business and a year later sell it <laughs> <laughs> for the most part i mean sometimes it works out but uh, and so we were we were to we were looking at you know ninety thousand dollars loss real money mm-hmm. and, wow um, yeah and so it was just but we knew we knew that we were called to do this through mm-hmm. just a lot of process And so we did it and we went to Christian Brothers and told them that, hey, look, we're we're walking. And they said, that's nice. That's great. That's cute, Jason. Uh, But you're going to have to sell it. We're not helping you. Right. Uh, You're going to owe us the full fees and we'll we'll pray for you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that was kind of an eye opening moment because I guess inside I was thinking they would help. Yeah. And and so we continued moving forward because we knew we just we had this piece that we're going to do chariots. And so we started the business plan and filing for the 501C3 -hmm. and started networking more and trying to get board members. They came back 30 days later and said, Jason, we've been following you. Because at that time we started, you know, Facebook, we've been following you and praying ourselves. And we do feel that uh, we just, we're going to let you walk debt-free. Wow. Wow. That we, is amazing. We in what you're doing. We do think it's, it's a calling. And so, yeah, you, uh, and not only are we going to let you walk, uh, you don't have a job in two weeks. We got something to replace you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a roller coaster ride. It was like, thank
3: you, but what? <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. yeah, And then, yeah, we didn't have, we didn't collect the paycheck for almost two years. Wow. Uh, oh just went off our savings and just continue to believe in the, in the, in the, uh, in the organization. And so uh, that leads us to Cherries for Hope. Um, it is a nonprofit here in Omaha that started in Omaha and it focuses on removing transportation barriers for people in need, people mm-hmm. that are struggling, people that are moving forward. Um, there's a lot of people that uh, just They're not ready for a car. They're not ready for that help. And so we vet those folks out. Mm -hmm. But the folks that are, um, we go ahead and team up with them and help them find reliable transportation so that they can move forward and get their kids to school and stay in their job and go to medical appointments. Um, That started off in Omaha. And it just because there's nothing out there like this, again, it just grew crazy. Mm -hmm. Referring organizations, nonprofit organizations, we're finding out about it. They need help with transportation. And so it's just a partnership. We just immediately got overwhelmed with applications. Um, But God was just bringing people our way. I mean, we had great board members, great community. Our very first what we call blessing where we give cars away and we don't give them away. Um, There's actually a, a program fee that they have to pay. But that first uh, time where we were able to team up with another organization and help a single mom by giving them a car, uh, it was on Channel Seven, Julia yeah. Cornell. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that helped, Sure, right? Absolutely. I mean, that obviously spread the word, right? Got a lot of feedback from that, and this we kept growing and growing.
2: People in this community of Omaha are so unbelievable, willing to help. And when when these organizations come together, it's very powerful. Wow! How many
3: people do you think you've helped over the years with? Fifteen hundred. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's been crazy. And and we were growing so fast. This is the other awesome part of the story is, is that we were building a a program that was like an Uber for nonprofits, just crazy feedback. It's needed in this community. There's more people without cars. They're not ready for cars. And so we were building the shuttle program. Uh, But then we ran across Mike Anderson, who owns Anderson Auto Group. Uh, He's got several dealerships in Lincoln, Grand Island, and St. Joe, Missouri. And he was doing something we were doing. And uh, but he wasn't doing any of the programming. It was more just like Oprah. Everybody gets a car, right? <laughs> and uh, good hearts. But, you know, sure. he was teaming up and he just saw through through mutual friends, saw what we were doing in the program piece and the accountability piece that we were bringing to it. He just absolutely fell in love with that and, and, and set up a meeting and saying, hey, look, I'm going to merge with you and you're going to. Everything we're doing, we're going to give to you and have you take over. If you if you would please talk a little bit more about that accountability
1: piece that you talked to, because I think a lot of times people want to know: is there going to be accountability? Not only at the charities level, right? Are is our money going towards what we think it's going to go towards, but also we want to know that this is an effective program. So if you would just expand on that a little bit.
3: Yeah. So definitely a big part of our process is an application process. And so there's two stages. One, because we're referral based only, Mm -hmm. we have about 86 nonprofit partnerships in Omaha, and they vet their folks out and say, okay, Jason, Julie's ready. And then we take Julie's application and then we take it through another level of vetting, Mm -hmm. bring them in for an interview orientation. We look at their budget. We make sure that they can afford right now. We only want to make sure that they can afford the insurance and gas. We'll take care of everything else. And so we take them through that to make sure that they are good candidates and that this is actually going to be a tool and not a burden on their journey. Uh, and so once we do that, we approve and then they go into a waiting queue and there's other things they have to do. So by the time that they actually get the car, they've gone through some stuff, sure. right? right. And then once yeah. they get the car in order to go ahead, the carrot, to keep them in our life and continue to pour into them, we give them a warranty because most folks at that point, they can't afford the car repairs if something were to go wrong, right? right? So we take care of that as long as they're doing what we ask them to do, keeping insurance mm-hmm. and keeping the car maintained. Checking in with their referring organization and doing what they're asking to do. Actually, learning
1: how to go beyond this. Right. 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 That's right. That's right. And we're setting up
3: self self sufficient. That's it self-sufficient is a huge word for us. And so we're really in that time, in that six months, because it's a six month warranty. Once they get their car, we're building a transportation plan so that they're not back into this situation again, once this car goes, because it's a donated car. 95% of our cars come from the community. Right. They're amazing folks. In Omaha. Thank you for taking two off my hands. I appreciate exactly. that. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and I have a feeling this is starting to grow outside of Omaha. Tell me about some uh, of
3: the some other locations, other places and in- yeah you... so when, once we saw that this is just the feedback we were getting from other cities that were following us folks that we knew and they're like we want to bring this to our city like nobody's doing this um at this level uh then we really felt that, that we got to build a model a growth model we don't want to manage it in, internally and so we set up a franchise model right some of my franchise experience uh, it's called an affiliate you guys are familiar with affiliates it's not sure. an actual franchise but, uh-huh. uh we we uh, built an affiliate program for folks to go ahead, almost like a turnkey. Hey, look, I've got local board and leaderships and folks that want to bring this into Chicago. I just need the platform and resources. We team up with them, train them, uh, take a service fee, right, for training and maintaining mm-hmm. what, you know, their platforms. And, uh, and our first one, that's we, we, we got done with that model, let's just say, I'm sorry, six months ago. And uh, our first affiliate, uh, um, Chariots for Hope, organization is in La Crosse, Wisconsin. They just opened their doors six months ago and uh, they're doing amazing. Wow. Yeah.
1: Jason, how do somebody help you at chariots for hope? What can, uh, how can they get in touch with you?
3: And there's all kinds of different ways, Uh, obviously financial. So there's, we got a website, a great website that you could go on to uh, chariots the number dot hope.org and give financially car donations that fuels our mission. And so if you have a car that's just not working, we're working and we take all all types of cars and conditions. Uh, <laughs> that's huge for us. We take that, we restore it if we can, and then we plug it back into the community. So car donations, financial donations, volunteer. We have volunteer opportunities on our website. We'll direct you to Wonderful. those opportunities. Right. Yeah. yeah,
2: we have a lot of clients here at Sorwell Strategies that are very charitable. And very, yes. You know, you talk about people that, you know, are 70 and a half and want to take that RMD money and donate that to a yeah. 501c3 organization. Um John, there's direct
1: from the IRA. That money's not taxed. Then we get into some more advanced planning Mm -hmm. ideas, Uh, donor advised funds uh, with, and and we're not going to go deep into this here because it's just too in-depth, but with a DAF, donor advised fund, you can receive the income tax benefits associated with direct gifts to charity without the pressure of having to identify upfront which charities will ultimately benefit from the gift. You can stretch those out over time. Uh, then we get into charitable remainder trusts. If you create a CRT, you can get into crats, cruts, crits. You know, there's all kinds of ways to <laughs> yeah. do this. Uh, but you can take income for life or set up a, a period of time from the trust. So you, as a, an individual, can still get income off that trust, but the remainder after that time period goes to the charity. So you get a tax deduction there. There are benefits to a, a CRT, it's tax exempt. So it's appreciated assets when the, within the trust. They don't result in a tax liability for the donor. So, Jason, I'm sure you have some familiarity with yes, some of these indeed. things, huh? Sure.
3: Yes, yes. Those are beautiful. <laughs> we love DAS.
1: <laughs> I bet you yeah, do. And we can help folks with those things here. That's yeah, the these are all,
2: all things that we do here at Sorwell Strategies. If you'd like to learn more, certainly check out our website and schedule some time with us, soarwealthstrategies.com.
1: Yep. You can just uh, click on the uh, schedule a call and on our website and uh, get in touch with us. Jason Hurt mm. of Chariots for Hope. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's uh, it's a great one. And yeah. Thanks for sharing it.
3: I appreciate it, really. I really do. I, I appreciate the invite. It's been great to talk.
1: Again, how do yeah. folks get in touch with you at Chariots for Hope?
3: www.chariots4hope.org.
1: Thank you, Jason. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button there on the podcast. It's free. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Financial Flight Academy.
0: Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at soarwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified. Qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning securities and advisory services offered through commonwealth financial network member finra sipc a registered investment advisor